Good morning, everyone. Man, that was an amazing testimony, just this coming into this understanding that, man, you're worthy, that God loves you. And I know we've done this before. Oh, my. Uh, I'm going to get to come up some. But good morning, everyone. Man, we just, I, I just appreciate that testimony so much, Emily, and hearing it. And it's just, just knowing that God has that for all of us. God has it all for, for us to be converted into knowing really who it is, how much he loves us, and how the, the, the calling that he has for our life. And so I'm Jesse. Um, uh, uh, I love the, my, I'm married to Tori. Um, and we have wonderful kids and a dog and some other stuff. And working here with Jonathan and, and Brandon and the CTG staff. Uh, been in ministry almost uh, 20 years. Uh, and it's, it's been fun, it's been a whirlwind, it's been exciting, it's been highs and lows. And what does that have to do with conversion and starting a conversion story? Well, as you continue in ministry, you know, I'm looking at my friend, is it Greg, right? My guy right here, Dave. Dave, Dave has been in ministry a while. He, he understands it, him and his wife, just the conversion that you, God takes you from one place to the next and in, in your heart and in your spirit. And um, I was thinking about this. Uh, conversion and, and Jonathan shared about the 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 device you have to purchase when you go to other cities, uh, other countries. And I had a conversion device uh, when we went to Poland this past summer. And um, typically, one I want to say this: uh, typically, African American males don't use razors to shave, on a large part, because we tend to our hair is naturally curly versus you know you, our counterparts. And so what, I, so what I take, I would take electric clippers. Well, uh, when I went over there and I used my conversion device, it blew the circuit on the clippers. And what happens with me, I don't know about anyone else, but when that little, little hair starts to grow back in, and not only are there the bumps coming in, but there's a lot of irritation. So being in another country, eating different food, trying to cross the language barrier, it was just like, man, oh my. What, how am I going to make it through? That has nothing to do with the conversion story except that conversion device blew my clippers in. But I made it back strong, guys. Uh, man, let's, let's just dive right in. And I want to tell you a story from the Bible, and it's about a guy named Nicodemus. And we're just going to follow right along with what the Scripture is saying and just kind of break it down as we're going. And if you're someone that's taking notes, I'm going to kind of do this a little bit different. I'm sort of giving you some of the plugs or things you should do early on in this, it's not going to be something at the end, though I will recap at the end. So thinking about a conversion story and thinking uh, John 3, if that's something you have a Bible, you want to open up to that part, I would open up to John 3. So may God be with me this morning. God speak in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and it says in verse 1, now there was a man named, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this is important. Because it said it in the Bible, so it must be important. Nicodemus. Where I'm from, when you hear a name like Nicodemus, you, uh, you automatically, for some reason, you have to change it. So I'm from the inner city of Houston. If there was a kid growing up named Nicodemus, we're going to automatically just call him Nico. Nico. And so, and I'm telling you this because some people have this tendency to think that because someone's in ministry, they extremely just love reading the word. And I'm not saying that people don't. What I'm saying is sometimes it does get a, like, feel like home is dry. I'm not getting anything from the word. And so a lot of times what I do is I begin to entertain myself 
by thinking about how this, these type of things relate to how they create, in my mind, something that helped me engage more with the word. And so from now on, I'm going to call this guy Nico. And Nico was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nico comes to him at night. He's a ruler of the Jews, so obviously he has some power. He has some uh, a status. And he's, to me, trying to hide this status, right, in the sense that he don't want the, the Jews he's ruling to see that he's talking with someone who's kind of causing an upheaval in the land right now, right? And they don't want, he, to me, it's like he don't want them to see, they're like, hey, I'm going to this dude for maybe even some advice or maybe even to do what he can do. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. So he's giving them props. He's like, bro, you out here doing your thing, all right? And I'm trying to get to that point, maybe. That's what it sounds like to me. He's like really inquiring about who Jesus is. Anyone seen the Chosen episode uh, where Jesus, where Nicodemus, Nico goes to Jesus? It's interesting to see that and just how, in a sense, he's, to me, and this is the first point, when you think about being born again, it's curiosity. He's, He's really, I think he's really curious. Like, Jesus, how are you doing this thing? You're obviously from God because no one, is doing what you're doing. <clears throat> and so um, this is how Jesus replied. And this is another way how I entertain myself. Check this out. It says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, I know Jesus to be the truth. But yet Jesus still says, truly, truly. It's like, it seems redundant, Jesus. You don't have to say truly, truly, because what you're saying is true. But it reminded me of a phrase we use back home in inner city Houston. If you're talking to someone and you want them to understand that, hey, what I'm telling you is the truth, we would say, oh, my mama, I promise you, this is, so two guys are arguing, man, I will beat you on the sticks. And for, the, for those that don't understand that, that means uh, Madden or uh, game, gaming. I will beat you on these sticks. And another guy would go, bro, you don't want to see me. He goes, look, bro, my mama, I promise I'll take you out, bro. You don't want to see me. <laughs> and so when I'm hearing Jesus talk about this, he's saying, oh, my mama, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he's helping this religious leader understand that you've done some things. You've probably followed God. You've done what you know the law to, do, to ask you to do, but... There's something yet you miss. To see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. See, I think this message is fitting for us today. When I, when, when I talk to some of the, uh, the CTG staff and many other people, when I talk to people at Eisenhower Middle School where we've done some serving at, everybody seems to be Christian. And it always kind of challenges me. It's like, man. Shouldn't that be a little bit more effect going on when we're on campus if everyone is Christian? Well, then is something missing? And, and, and we'll get more into that. But this, this idea that you must be born again. So continuing on, my guy Nico said to him, how can a man be born? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I remember this from the scene in The Chosen, he said, uh, man, my man, uh, I, have a, I might have a problem with that. 
because God bless my mother's soul, she's dead, but how can I get, you know, how would I be reborn again? How can I, how can I enter into a room again when one, she's dead, and two, I'm old? It's kind of like a, this was a dog, he would say, how can me being old learn a new trick? <clears throat> but Jesus comes back to him and says, oh, my mama, come on, you see the verse. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is something if we don't begin to think about what, like what Jesus is communicating here, we miss out on an opportunity. So this man is living a life. I mean, he's a ruler of the Jews. Jews. So he has did some, some, some substantial things to get to that position. Some people have even said that this might have been the rich young ruler. Not, I don't have any proof of that. I don't have any, you know, things you can go check on. But in the Bible, there's a story about a rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus turns to him and says, you know the law. Don't, don't, fear, don't bear false witness. Don't covet. Don't murder. You know, obey your parents. And he says, I've done all those things. And then Jesus says, well, drop everything and come to me. The second thing that I want you to realize is you can't let your past dictate your future. And that's good and bad. Because what's happening sometimes is we've grown up in a Christian home. I've, I've seen it over years, especially being in youth ministry, where a kid would say, man, yeah, I've grown up in a Christian home. I, I understand those things. I understand any things. But they, yet they realize that I'm missing something. I've done what my parents did. I've, I've never been in trouble with the law. I've never, but yet they're missing something. And Jesus is inviting this, uh, inviting Nico to come in and see the kingdom of heaven and what that is like. And he's reminding him, nope, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again of not only the, the flesh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the body, but also of the spirit. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <clears throat> and Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. We have to understand that our bodies are three parts, okay? And I want to kind of slow down. I want to kind of, at my best, I'm not naturally a teacher, but I want to try to teach you something to help lay out a, frame for you to understand why God is talking to Nico, uh, Jesus is talking to Nico in this way and that there may be something in you that kind of helps you understand okay oh all right now understand where I am at and what needs to be done in my heart um, first in first Thessalonians 5 23 says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right there in Thessalonians, we're, Thessalonians, we're seeing that our, our, our makeup is three parts, body, soul, and spirit. It is explained, if we can go to that first chart, let me step to the side so you guys can see it. The first uh, group of circles, and you see here, now this is not drawn to scale, but it's, it's as close as I can get it, okay? All right, that before the fall, Adam's spirit, soul, and body were pure and were united with God. When we talk about the fall, we talk about when Adam and Eve decided to eat from the fruit of the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. 
All right, and when they did that, a fall happened, a separation between man and God. But before that, man's thoughts, emotions, and decisions were governed by his spirit, by God's spirit. Our body make up our physical frame, okay? Our soul, mind, will, and emotions, and then our spirit. And then when you go to the next side, slide, you see, after the fall, there was, there was a separation that happened. There, there was something, when Jesus said, or God said, hey, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. This is what he was speaking of. Um, he said, after sin entered the world, people came under the enemy's influence and became spiritually dead. In our fallen state, we, over, we overly rely on our disordered emotions, in, intellect, and desires because our spirit are, as, are in need of a rebirth. Okay, so you have the body, the soul now, which is governed by self, our mind, our will, and emotion, how I feel, how I want to do things, and our spirit becomes dead. And it's interesting when you think about this. You know, I believe kids are born with an innocent, but yet, for those of you who don't have kids and you do have young ones, it's interesting. I never, I don't think, Tori can quote me on this, and I don't think Tori has ever taught any of our kids to lie. I, you know, that we want to raise our kids up in a Christian home and teach them the rules, you know, no bear false witness, still in taking. But it's something about that two or three that you walk into a room and out of nowhere you hear mine and they just snatch it, you know, from another kid. It's like, I don't remember ever snatching that from Tory like that or snatching something from Tory like that. But they come up with these things that, did you eat that candy? No. Well, I, I know I saw them walk away with that candy, and then they come back with just a wrapper, and I'm not talking about an artist. Somebody ate that candy, and it wasn't your mother now. Who ate that candy? My point is that there's, after the fall, that we have an inclination to live. We are more influenced by our mind, will, and emotion than we are by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> What's the next slide? Because I'm, uh, what do we have next? It says here, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And what Jesus is laying out to him, he's trying to help break down some of the walls that he has, whether it's walls or veils or, or ways of thinking, that look, hey, hey, you have lived according to the flesh, because that's, that was what was available. According to the... Uh, um, the Torah, you, you did things out of the flesh. Hey, here's the sacrificial system. Pay your temple tax. Do these good things. But Jesus is saying, hey, now something new is here, and you must be born again according to that spirit. God is spirit, and those, uh, go to the next. Uh, and so what happens is then when we believe in Jesus, our spirit are made new and are united with God's spirit. This is this union is so close that when the biblical writers use this word spirit, it is often difficult to tell if they are take, talking about God's spirit or a renewed spirit. Okay? And if, if, you, if it's, it's, it's interesting as I'm going through this, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm missing something. But I, 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 I've taken this straight from the KL2 book, which I really believe, and that's why I'm putting it before you. So if you haven't had a chance to take the KL2 book, here's a plug to 
If you haven't taken care of one, take that. Then let's move into Kel two. But what I want to illustrate here is that when we receive, when we receive Jesus, when we think about this idea of what He's saying, being born again, our spirit is renewed. And as the spirit moves, so we move. And that is what is constantly at battle. When you come to a point where you say, man, I, want, I have received Jesus or I want to receive Jesus, your flesh and your, the spirit that is governed by God are at battle for who's going to govern your frame or your body. And so um, will you um, go to the next slide. <clears throat> it says, born again, our spirit is the energizing part of us that directly connects with God's spirit. The biblical word for spirit means wind of breath. So I have a question for you. You don't have to answer it out loud, but something for you to consider. When did Adam become a living being? Remember, he was created from the dust, and then he came alive when Jesus, uh, when God breathed his breath into him. Let's go to uh, John 9, that, the slide with John 9. It says, okay, so God is laying these things out to him. All these things are coming back. Uh, or not necessarily coming back, but he's waking Nico up to these things. So Nico says this, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? It's, 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 it's amazing to me that we, we could do all the hurdles that it takes to display that we're a good person. We could serve, we could help the old lady across the street, we could be nice to people, but yet God is inviting us into something that's bigger than just being nice, something that's bigger than just uh, making sure we get our homework done. This is not a, a shot at anyone that needs to get homework done, but what I'm saying is I know that's highly important to us, but God is inviting us into his kingdom, and what, what, has, ha what has happened is that we tend to put life, everything that's going on in our world, in front of eternal life. We tend to put our kingdom in front of Jesus' kingdom. And what the kingdom that he's wanting to establish here. And when he talks about being born again and being born of the spirit, he is inviting us to live as people in his kingdom. And, and, and so what happens is we, we, we do these good things and we, we end up being in the place of Nico. How are you, in a sense, living this life but yet doesn't understand these things? Verse 11 says, truly, truly, or as I would say on my mama, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Once again, he's, he's pointing him towards the kingdom of heaven. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. What, so I can just make, what he's calling us into is to be folks what, what he's wanting to do is establish his kingdom here on earth. The same kingdom in the atmosphere and the eating, the Garden of Eden that he established when he first created man. And that we would take that responsibility and advance that all throughout his, throughout his earth. 
But to know what that kingdom looks like, to experience that, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. I, I think about it like barbecue. Yeah, that's supposed to be funny. How does this relate to barbecue? Well, people who barbecue don't have to see the barbecue pit. They smell it. Man, somebody barbecuing. Some of us go or would say, someone's grilling. But us who know barbecue know the difference between grilling and barbecuing. You can smell it in the air. You can sense it. You know, if it's raining and you smell barbecue, no, no one's barbecuing because no one barbecues in the rain. It's got to be a certain day. My point in saying that is just this idea, just like, look, you, when you are of the spirit, you know what the spirit of God is, is, is bringing about. When you're of the kingdom, you know what the, what the kingdom of God is about. And to, to experience that, to see that, to enter that, you have to be born again. Some of us have baptized our flesh, but haven't reborn our spirits. We went through the motions. We went through the, the, the being nice and going to church regularly and checking the boxes. But being born again is what God is inviting us to. Uh, he goes on in verse 14. It says, and so Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. <clears throat> Let me say it again. And so Moses lifted up. And, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. If you remember this reference that he gave, it was, it was as they were going through the wilderness, the Israelites had been freed and they were heading towards the promised land, and the people began to complain. Why do you have us here? The food sucks. Man, this is terrible. And so God allowed fiery serpents to go and to, to begin biting, biting the Israelites, and many people died from that. And so then they repented, said, hey, you know, we've, we've, um, we've, we've come against, we've sinned against you and God. He's talking to Mo, they're talking to Moses. We've sinned against you and God. Um, help us in, the, in, the, in this. And so God told them, hey, take a fiery bronze servant, put it on, on, the, uh, on a stick, on a pole. And when people look to it, they would be healed. And what he was letting him know that, hey, you're, what he was letting Nico know is, hey, your old way of doing things has to change, that there's going to be someone, just like in the, in, in the wilderness, they're going to be lifted up, and that if people would look to him, they would be saved. They would be healed. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross, that when he was raised up on the cross, he took our sins. He became that fiery serpent, that thing that represents death and curse, and took it for us. <clears throat> The thing is that we are incapable of bringing about the kingdom of heaven apart from a conversion of our spirit. We are incapable of bringing about the kingdom of heaven apart from a conversion of our spirit. I remember being on campus, or not necessarily being on campus, I gave my life to Christ as a freshman on campus. Grew up in a single parent home. And the fatherhood that I saw growing up without a father it's what I came into our marriage with. So as you could, if, if you understand what I'm saying, it wasn't very much. It wasn't very much fatherhood. And what happened was, I remember we were sitting at the table, and Zeb did something he shouldn't have done. It was, he was probably six or seven. And I said to myself, all right, this is a good moment where I could try to be a good father. And I said, hey, if you keep that up, 
you won't eat dinner tonight. So I remember he did whatever he did again, and I sent them away from the table. You can't eat dinner tonight. Yeah, I'm a good dad. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this dude is not eating tonight. Is he going to make it through? Oh, my goodness. And I couldn't enjoy the rest of my dinner. But it was something that needed to be done. And in that moment, I felt God say, hey, that's be the discipline was needed. Let me be clear. The discipline was needed. And I felt like God said, hey, hey, it's needed. You're going to be fine. He's going to be fine. But you're not doing this according to your will. It's something that you, you, you've seen that needs to be done. And what had happened prior to that was so many times I would say, hey, if you do this, you're not going to get this, right? This kind of this, uh, what do they call it? False um, promises in a sense like, hey, if you keep it up, you're going to get a spanking and not spanking. What I'm trying to explain to you guys is that because of God's spirit and knowing that a, a, a parent or anyone who disciplines their kids love their kids, but to go without disciplining them is not showing them love. And so it was in that moment Jesus was saying, look, hey, don't worry, he's going to be fine. This is an act of love that he needs. But it was so troubling for me in that moment. And what, what was revealed to me was the weaknesses I had as a father, to be the father that these kids needed. And God's spirit shows us our weaknesses. God's spirit reveals to us where we need to grow and being more like his spirit, that renewed spirit. And so, you guys following me? Yeah, I got a yeah. Whew. There was another opportunity for this with Ayana. We were on vacation, and uh, if she didn't eat some chicken or something, she wasn't going to get ice cream. And I just couldn't bear it. So I gave her, I gave her a piece of my chicken because I didn't want her to enjoy my ice cream. So God's spirit reveals to us our weaknesses. God's spirit reveals to us where we need to grow. God's spirit reveals how we are to usher in this kingdom. And if, without his spirit, we can't. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. Talking about Jesus. Going into verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard one another to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And this is what it says. Therefore, anyone is in, who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And God is inviting us into this new creation. But through that, we must be born again. We must, we must uh, uh, see Jesus as the one who has taken our sins, our old life, and calling us into something new. And this, uh, going back to John uh, 3, this verse always catches me off guard, even though I've heard it a thousand times, and you've probably heard it a thousand times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. <clears throat> Couple things. When we think about what God is, or a few things, when we think about what God is calling us into, what he has for us, it's the kingdom of heaven. We have to be born again. So the first thing, you think about what you just heard. Man, what, what, to live out God's full purpose for my life, to what God is asking me to do here on earth. 
The first thing is you have to be born again. We have to be born of the Spirit. The second, and I've hinted to this, you have to be curious about it. Nicodemus got to a point where he was like, look, there's, I've, I've lived this way for so long. But you're, you're, you're telling me something new. You're doing things that I want to do. You're doing things that, that is bringing about what my old life says it would do. But you have to be curious. It says um, in uh, the Proverbs 25, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. And it speaks to the curiosity of it. It's like, look, man, God, I want to do all that you have for me. One, you have to be born again. And two, you have to be curious about it. And then the third thing I would say, and this is something that is that I thought this is something that when you when I think about where God is leading me and wanting me to do, I have to not let my past dictate my future. Because I was I, I, I did the knucklehead things. I was into selling drugs. I was doing uh, hats. Um, my sexuality was perverted. My, the, the fatherhood that I saw was distorted. That, that, that life, if I said, hey, that's the only thing I have and that's the only way forward, I wouldn't see or be a part of what God is wanting to do on this earth. But because of God's new life and this new creation, what he has called us to, that is what dictates our future. And in Philippians 3, it says, starting at verse 12, now that I have already obtained this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to the make it. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. But that cannot be obtained. You can't press on until you've. Uh, been born again. And so from the, at this point here, what I want, would like for us to do, Jesus took, wants to take our old life. For some of you, he has. He's taken your old life and you walked into that new. But there might, there might be someone here who hasn't. You say, you know what? Jesus has all of my life. He doesn't have all of my life. <clears throat> and what I want to do is we want to take communion here. Um, communion is for those who have said, Jesus, you have my old life, and I'm walking into the newness that you have for me. And if you haven't said, you know, Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, you have my life, I wouldn't, encourage, I wouldn't take this. But I do want to give you an opportunity. What's going to happen is I'm going to ask us all by our heads, and then I'm going to pray for anyone who hasn't given Jesus their life, hasn't said, you know what, Jesus, I'm trading my old life for this new life you have for me. And then after that, we're going to release, be released to uh, take communion, and then we're going to take it together. Is that clear? Is that? Okay, guys. So if you would, bow your heads with me, and I'm going to pray. And this prayer is for that person who says, you know what? Man, I want to trade, trade my old life for my new life in Jesus. You would say, uh, Jesus, I recognize that you are Lord of all. That you came here to save me from my old life, which ends in death, and you're giving me a new life into eternal life. I repent of my sins and my way of doing things. I take me off the throne of governing my life, and I give my life to you 
to be governed, to be Lord. My hope is for my spirit to be governed by your spirit, Lord. Amen. If there was anyone here that prayed that, Lord, I just pray that you not only the devil has a way of wanting to lie to them about it. It wasn't real. It was fake. But, Lord, that you speak to them in the only way you, that, that they know it's you speaking to them, Lord. And that they would be encouraged about living out this life that brings newness and the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name.